Applications for the Techstars Tech Central Sydney Accelerator Class of 2024 are closing on the 22nd of May. I'm Kirsten Hunter, the Managing Director of Techstars Sydney, and I'm looking for diverse and unstoppable founders who are using technology to solve the world's biggest problems to join this Accelerator cohort. The 12 successful businesses will get access to our 13-week mentor-driven accelerator, $120,000 US investment, and access to the Techstars network for life. Head to our Accelerator webpage to learn more and to apply. I am a completely different person than I was three years ago. Um, I'm pretty much living with my mentor. Like, and I, I know that sounds really ridiculous, but um, in terms of like the business side of things, my confidence and my ability to push through my comfort zone has been all due to him and I'll try not to cry because I don't know how many points in time I would have had where I'd be on the bed crying, just wondering what the hell we're doing. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer and welcome to Day One, the show that goes back to the very beginning to share the untold stories of incredible regional startups and the organisations that support them. Today, you're going to hear the story of Alicia. Hi, my name's Alicia, advanced sports dietitian and co-founder of Compete Nutrition. Daniel. My name's Dan, uh, not an advanced sports dietitian, but uh, also co-founder of uh, Compete Nutrition. And Compete Nutrition. So in terms of Compete Nutrition, we are all about performance. So it's about bringing performance into the lives of the everyday active individual all the way up to the elite athlete. Uh, and that performance focus can be performance in sport or performance in life. The concept of Compete first planted itself in Daniel and Alicia's mind in 2016. Since then, they've bootstrapped it themselves for quite a while and invested a lot of themselves into bringing this amazing company into existence. They eventually went through the Icon Slingshot program at the Newcastle University's Integrated Innovation Network and all while raising a young family. Yeah, this is Ruben. Yeah. Hey, Ruben, you want to say hello? Uh, into the microphone. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> do, do you know, Ruben, do you know what mummy and daddy do? Um, fix something. Fix something. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to fix something. Daniel and Alicia are trying to fix a real problem. And it's a two-sided problem. So there's the industry problem in terms of the dietitian side. And then there's the client user problem as well. And Compete Nutrition are well on their way to solving the problem with their first product to market. We're on target to turn over nearly 200k in revenue, and we currently have uh, around 300 active users. 300 active users, and they've been very successful in the last 12 months in proving their assumptions around scalability. We'll cover all of that and more, but for now, let's go back to day one, where this story begins. All right. <laughs> In terms of our story, I guess the starting point would be 2015 where um, we were, I was at the AIS in Canberra um, as a sports dietitian and being pregnant with our first bub, it was a little bit too far away from family support really. And so the concept of Compete started in probably early 2016 just through a need of me needing to hopefully be able to still advance my career no matter where I was geography based um, but also seeing the funding model of sport in Australia changing to a much more decentralised model 
and also seeing athletes being anywhere in the world at any time. Alicia was working at the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra as a dietitian. So I did AIS as what they call a fellowship. So it's two years on a lower pay grade um, to basically just launch your career and knowledge as a sports dietitian. Now, one of the big issues is, and they've known this for a really long time, was that once that two years is up, there's no opportunity to really stay unless you're feeling a maternity feel. No one leaves the AIS once you've got a job at the AIS. But Alicia was going to leave the AIS to start a new family closer to family support up north. And Daniel was a process engineer who had an excellent career underway as head of infrastructure asset management in the utility sector working for Icon Water in Canberra. But as we just heard, Alicia was pregnant with their first child and really wanted to be closer to family. We just made the decision to move north, but moving north also meant that I lost my career in the sense that I also lost all the hub of athletes that I had access to at the AIS because it was very centralised at that point. When we moved to Foster, I took a role as the head of all engineering and asset management for um, the utility just north of Newcastle, um, which is now mid-coast. But just because they moved north to be closer to family, to start their own family, Alicia and Daniel didn't want that to end Alicia's career. Dan was very firm in not allowing that to happen. He's like, no, you don't get to just stop your career just because we moved for my job or um, just because you had kids. Like, there has to be a better way. And the financial model of what a dietitian did in Hmm. the private practice setting is very broken. I I sat down and sort of asked Alicia, I was like, well, just just run through how you would work in 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 your own private practice. And... I said, so you would see this many clients and then you would charge them this much. And I was like, how is that feasible? How are people making money out of that today? And I was like, like it just, there, just, there just has to be another way to, to solve this problem. There has to be a better way to solve this problem. So what is the exact problem that they were facing? the earning capacity of a dietitian is quite low compared to how much training and um, professional development we have to put into being a registered dietitian. So in the appointment-based system, we're very time sensitive. So we can only make money when we're seeing a client. And so um, our hours are very long in terms of trying to make whatever we can out of it. And I think if you talk about the team sport environment, the dietitian's there, but I mean, the common thing is, oh, we ask the players, oh, what is the dietitian? Oh, I don't actually know. I think they're here for the for the kit kind of thing. That is actually something that was, and that athletes was, that have was said quote. to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then the other one is, is that they're they're trying to access the athlete in that training environment when they're training. Everyone, like they they're like might be recovering, so you're trying to pick them up. They don't want to talk to you then. And also, we're very invisible. We've got an image problem. Um, we're not um, innovative or disruptive in that space where what you would probably call a pink collar so lots and lots of females um, and you know you pause very often to have kids and that's not very friendly in the private practice market because people are coming to see you and when you take a pause then so does your business. The earning capacity is quite low. It's a completely face-to-face appointment-based model in a world that was becoming more and more decentralized having athletes all over the world. So that's the dietitian side of the problem. Here's an example of the other side of the problem, the athlete's side, with one of Compete's partners, the Australian women's national soccer team. So the Matildas, with being able to support any athlete anywhere in the world, through a centralised model, you can't support them, you can't see them, um, because the athletes just simply aren't there. So by having uh, having a platform where we're integrated into their life, um, we are now their, their integrated support partner. So say from um, example is the Matildas, is that they might come together for a camp to 
twice a year uh, uh, outside of the World Cup. Um, but what is the what is the FFA? Have, what access do they have to ensuring that their investment is being looked after when they're not in that environment? So, what's the solution? An app? There's an app for everything, right? Makes sense that that would be the first solution they thought of. I don't think we ever had like the let's build an app moment. I think the mantra is is that um, don't build a product and then find a way to use it. Find a way of solving a problem or a solution or a process and then automate it through technology. Unless you know what you want it to solve, it's very hard to build a piece of technology that's going to work for you and for your business. So we, what we did is we went through and broke down each of the steps in that servicing model and said, okay, well, if we're going to, to digitise this process, what can we do? How can we automate this? Mm. So we went through the whole went through the whole thing and I mean, I pulled all algorithms and stuff together and mm. automated the entire process. I was like, cool, we can we can basically create um, automate this entire solution. Yeah. But then what we realised is by building the by, by just mm. taking the dietitian out, then it created a lot more restrictions. Mm. So building something that allowed them to be more efficient in the way that they worked. But while leaving the professional there, what we were doing is we are creating a product which the consumer, which was much more consumer focused, um, was accessible when and where they needed it, um, but also was agile and supportive enough to uh, give them the immediacy of information and access to the support when it was required. Um, so to have that support there, um, which is that interpersonal relationship, adds so much more value than just say a like a, another tracking app or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, or do this because mm. it's a 12-week program. We're about ready to talk about the actual launch of the business. But first, athletes are all over the world, traveling, training, competing. So we need a solution to serve them and add value to their lives no matter where they are. Technology is the best option, but it would have been a mistake to go too far down that path and completely remove the human element from that equation. So Compete have integrated the dietitian into that process, allowing a professional dietitian to be there when the athlete needs them. We have the what, but why is this the right solution? It's yeah. no longer just about the what to do, it's about the why and the how. Like I, I mean, I went from engineering into management and then the last sort of six years spent a lot of time reflecting on a lot of human behaviour. Um, I got to the realisation that we only ever do anything that we do in life because of other humans. Now, when you talk about based human theory it's like that Maslow and his deterministic needs theory um, so it's all about um, about sort of how that hierarchy works and then gaining control and then having that ability to self-actualise and take ownership so what we're looking at way we way we service is it's not just about say providing a, a plan it's around helping them to make con- cognitive decisions um, through that support um, so the dietitian will be there and then they're starting to build the behaviours through interacting and working with us through a means which they they have to actually make a choice while the support's there. So an example is um, some clients that we've got who have binge eating disorder. So, um, you know, you can kind of predict the days or the weeks that are going to be harder for them. And previously in that consult model, they may have been on that their own in those really tough days or red days as we call them or you know tough weeks and having to think about and write down questions for their next appointment but in this role where we're actually integrated into their lives we're actually there when they're having hard times and able to coach them through decisions and opportunities and um, you know even reflect back on what may have happened so change behavior takes a lot of time we may know what we need to do whether it be exercise or you know food for health and most of us can tell us what they should 
should be eating. The question is why not and what can we do to allow that change to happen in a way that's actually achievable for you and sustainable for you and fits you and your lifestyle. Before Compete was even an idea, both Daniel and Alicia were embedded within the athletic community and having those relationships, those friendships, really helped not only kickstart Compete in terms of word of mouth referrals, but long before there was even a product, it really helped Daniel and Alicia understand what the problem was that they were trying to solve. And I think that coalface understanding of the community, because they were part of it, and the problems that they were facing was really, really imperative. Both played hockey and then, and then did triathlon, and I mean, was um, fortunate enough to um, represent Australian country in hockey. Uh, and then played professionally in Europe for a little while before retiring um, at the end of 2011 uh, and then took up triathlon fairly competitively, um, which gave us a lot of insight, I suppose, into... Well, we obviously had a good understanding of team-based sports and Leisha's experience, I suppose, with AIS and, and servicing and that, that, that elite level, but we also had experience with performing at that elite level, but also then the individual-based sports as well and understood the dynamics of, of those individual-based sports as well. Mm. So it's... I mean, understanding the market that we're, we're looking at is um, is obviously a, also a big one. And also opening those connections as well, mm. like between the connections we had through the individual base, mm. you know, cycling, running, triathlon. Yeah, so it was more the connections as well that was driven from that um, that really helped us build the start of Compete and at least start that word of mouth that allowed for that early adopter setting to come through very much um, a soft launch in the way of just utilising the people we already knew and um, it simply just allowed those early adopters to come through with our first little rendition of what Compete could be and Mm. then inform what our next um, evolutions should be Mm. Uh, and so we're really um, doing things quite slowly in the sense that it also allowed us to create a product that we knew people wanted. Because of those connections and insight from being a part of the community they were serving, Compete were able to build a great solution. Network really is everything. With no marketing, Compete had a national cyclist sign up on their brand new website. Yeah, so it was a referral um, from someone they knew. So yeah, we're very, in health, it's very word of mouth. Um, We had a national cyclist come through, check out without any nurturing or contact beforehand. (laughs) So we very early days, we had a sale and we're like, do you know who this is? Hang on, look at his look at his email signature, and yeah, sure enough, it was a national cyclist. So uh, that was like the moment of like really realizing that we're being seen. Uh, we may have a product here that people want, uh, and it was just that moment that really kind of just increased well my confidence definitely. So Cyclist X signs up on the Compete website and downloads the app. What happens next? So once someone registers, we start to get to know them. So we go through and that's um, on their like their side. They'll be filling in different preferences, goals, uh, food diaries to get to know their eating habits and preferences with eating. It's really about not judging that, but rather just getting insight into how they're currently living, what's valuable to them and what they're struggling with. Yeah. Uh, and once that's done, the dietitian... <clears throat> He's ready to roll in terms of um, being in contact, um, starting that journey, really prioritising the goals of that athlete or active individual moving forward and starting to coach them through that change. So they will be able to access their, um, depending on what membership they've chosen, they'll be able to access their menu, recipes integrated with that uh, weekly shopping list and then 
additional to that videos and um, different opportunities for resources yeah how long does that initial onboarding phase take uh very quick actually it's um yeah so so think of what you would normally do in that your experience with that that consult Mm. is that we what we do is we've taken the dietitian out of that and just allowed people to do it at a time that's convenient for them right Mm-hmm. Um, so we just automated that and the, the, the customer comes in, they pay in and they, they do all that, that fun up work that you would normally do in the first consult so that when your interaction with the dietitian um, eventuates, the dietitian has all this information and that interaction is much more valuable rather than saying, I'm going to collect all this information, then come back and see me and I'll give you something. It's, hey, we'll collect all this information and then off we go. And also, like as the dietitian can then look at all that data and information about a client, they can then probe really directly on some areas of focus so Mm. you're not spending the first session this is not appointment based by the way but you know usually that first session is all about getting to know them first interaction yeah Um, whereas now it's um very much more direct Mm. um, like around these are your actionables Mm. and these are things that are going to really provide a positive whether that be a performance focus or a um, behavior change empowerment focus it isn't just a stock standard cookie cutter approach either Changes all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's but, always yeah. a dietitian. Yeah. This is this is where it comes yeah. back to where we realise that you can't take the dietitian out of it. Yeah. Because everything's di- everyone's different. Everything mm. is different. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you need the agility in service. The dietitian, the human element, is a big part of what makes this approach so powerful. The dietitian is there at your fingertips. You don't have to go to a physical location at all to meet your dietitian face to face. So we're contacting them through the platform. Yeah. Uh, and that for the majority of our clients has been absolute perfection. Yeah, it's been really, really cool. Uh, and yeah, surprised. people don't necessarily want phone calls anymore. No, that, <laughs> so it's it's actually, what we've yeah. actually found that the relationship between mm. the, the practitioner and the client is four or five times stronger than it would, would have been otherwise. Mm. Because you take what you're doing is you're breaking down the barriers to communication. You're sitting on the lounge at night, you're sort of having things going through your head. Now I've got that opportunity just to, to ask that question or to, to, to send that bit of information forward. And so that, and then obviously then that relationship just grows and grows and gets a lot stronger mm. as opposed to I have to sit here across the table from a professional who I feel is already going to judge me for being here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm already going to have all these, these walls up before mm. we even start the conversation, well, we just eliminated all of those. With athletes who are on the road all the time, they're often working full-time plus training two to three times a day has improved because they're talking to you when it's good for them. Um, and that means a whole lot in terms of their anxiety levels, their um, appreciation for our role as well. Mm. Um, you know, even just a message yesterday was like, I just really appreciate your time and knowing that you're there. Mm. And it's that um, ability to have someone that is keeping you accountable in a really safe place um, that you can turn to anytime. The Compete team, Alicia and Daniel, have been going for a little over a year by this stage. They have a product, they have customers. It was time to take the next step. Yeah, so that goes back to um, being accepted into the Slingshot Accelerator program yeah, Icon. in Icon. Yeah, so that was late 2017. Pitched when I was 37 weeks pregnant. Started the program when I was when I had a two-week-old. <laughs> it's good times. Yeah, so we, <laughs> and, yeah, um, we, we made were through that. Right in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, I was still working full time at that at that point. Yeah. Um, we didn't know what a startup was. So literally two days before, we uh, asked to put in a, a, a deck. About three days before the, the initial mm. selection pitch, 
And um, yeah, we, we just thought we were solving a problem. We were like, oh, let's just invest some money. I mean, we just invested some, a fair bit of our own money to solve, to try and solve this problem. And then, oh, you guys are a startup. What's a startup? <laughs> <laughs> and what's an accelerator program? <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so obviously we, um, we, we had connection with them. And- Alicia and Daniel, as you just heard, were pretty new to the startup world and they wanted to learn quickly. Connecting with people and building new relationships to learn as quickly as possible really helped. There wasn't a better place to do that than the I2N, Newcastle University's Integrated Innovation Network, where the Slingshot Accelerator program ran. I mean, when I say about networking connections, like a lot of people downplay the value of that. It's all about relationships. Uh, every, everything is all about relationships. I mean, it's just the way Australians do business um, around the world. Relationships are a bit, bit, diff- bit different, and business transactions can be different. But definitely in Australia, having having strong relationships, and even when you're talking to investors or anyone, there has to be some sort of trust, and that takes time. And you, you can't build relationships without networks and connections. And but for us, the real value has been that network of people that's, that the ITN has brought together. And, um, and how they supported that. Well, yeah, even through the network, that's how we found our dev team for the next phase of development, mm-hmm. really. Compete were accepted into the Slingshot Accelerator in 2017, and that gave the team a boost and set them onto a trajectory that we heard about at the start of the story with their 300 customers and 200K in revenue. They gave us purpose and confidence, yeah. I think. Like, we were in a really fuzzy point, right? Like, we had a newborn... Uh, Dan was full-time. So in terms of time capacity to spend on Compete, we were very low on yeah. both the you know e- energy yeah. personally but also um, financially. We were really just focused on surviving that point yeah. in time. So mm. to be doing a really direct course um, and program mm. in that point of time and being mentored through and giving given such beautiful direction and purpose – Meant that we'll be able to, we were able to get it done, really. Yeah, um, yeah we got the GSD award <laughs> of the program um, because we were confident in our decisions and we had the backing yeah. of um, our supporters. I, in I think the other thing, I mean, in terms of the, di- I think the, if you point, pinpoint one specific mm. di- or one key difference is that I don't think we would have, the major failing would have been scale capability. Yeah. Okay. We wouldn't have thought about scale. Um, we would have just still, still been trying to solve that problem and been f- probably frustrated about knowing that we needed to... Mm. I mean, scale is probably... I mean, the way that's talked about in the startup ecosystem and as well as building business and scale business is that you don't... If, if we hadn't have been in that environment, we definitely would not have considered that. So I think if there was one thing is that thinking bigger and how to make it bigger... Mm. Um, yeah, and obviously there's a lot of stuff that, that, under, that mm. comes along with that. Yeah, and every week they really pushed us to aim higher mm. than ever before. Compete are currently working with and developing partnerships with a lot of organisations. Now, in order to make a bigger impact from Anytime Fitness to F45 Training to the Professional Footballers of Australia, the PFA, and the Football Federation of Australia, the FFA. So we had someone who was a senior, a senior footballer who knew what we were trying to achieve, um, knew that there was a problem in that space, and he said, you guys should talk, and that's where it sort of started. Mm. The, the, the FFA contract didn't happen with the FFA to start with. It happened with the Players Association, so Professional Footballs Australia. Mm-hmm. So we came in and, and um, we were talking to Bo, so to the head of player development, um, and we were sort of sharing a little bit about how we're evolving, and then I think our first conversations, we were just sort of talking about the idea and the first step of the platform. Mm. Um, 
and then it's evolved now to the point where we have um, access to all these knowledge and resources. But it was also, like, it's probably important to note that it didn't happen straight away. Like, the first few meetings, it was really about knowing what they wanted, as Dan said, but also knowing that we weren't ready either Um, and taking the time to go, okay, I can see the gap in the market here. Mm -hmm. I can see what you need as a big association. Let us like take the time to solve this problem yeah. and we'll come back to you so and so yeah our, it was a long time so it was like 18 months yeah 14 18 months yeah. so we were talking we were talking with the pfa before around about the same time that we got accepted into slingshot which yeah, was in 2017 yeah. so what's next in this endurance marathon for alicia and daniel on this journey of building compete nutrition current phase there was to just validate all of our assumptions and hope mm. make sure that what we were doing as a as a business model was going to work and um and then obviously use that as a, as a means to then raising capital to build out our, our global scale platform. Um, so we, we haven't been trying to grow. Um, very controlled growth. We've been very controlled yeah. and very strategic about the way we've gone about building the business um, just to ensure that, okay, well, we're assuming these things. Let's make sure that they're, that they're correct because we wanted to validate. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Validate There's a really good reason we, for that. Before we invest the millions it's of dollars in technology. a lot of money. Technology. <laughs> yeah. Alicia and Daniel are very passionate about the problem that they're solving. I say this often it. as well is that take your time. In some areas, yeah, sure, you've, 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 got to, you've got to sort of keep going. But, I mean, if you're always continuing to make progress, um, don't, let, don't let the end goal get in the way of progress. I mean, they, they talk about fail fast. Now, I don't like the word fail. So learn fast. Um, so try, try something. If it works, great. But then how do you improve it? If it doesn't, why didn't it work? Then how do you improve it? Mm. Um, and what you'll find is the market will tell you what, what you, the direction you need to go and I think that that's very true even with um, small small numbers of customers it'll, it'll allow you to then to point your product in a direction that the market wants to see it mm-hmm. um, and and we've been very lucky this is just definitely definitely isn't an overnight and I think I mentioned to someone yesterday so well, you're here today would you would you have seen yourself here three years ago I, said, I would not have even dreamt that the product would look like this or our solution would look like this yeah. two years ago yeah. I would I mean wouldn't have been able to see it um, so it's sort of, yeah, don't let the restrictions of today, let progress of tomorrow sort of um, yeah, get in your way. Thank you for listening to the story of Compete Nutrition with Daniel and Alicia Edge. I hope you enjoyed it. Everything that was mentioned in the episode today is on the show notes page on welcometoday1.com. Next time on Welcome Today One, the Startup Express. What is the Startup Express? Meet Steve Waite, the CEO of the Business Centre. The Startup Express began, like many things, with a small idea about how can we better get an appreciation of what type of innovation we witness and see every day uh, in our region, but connecting that innovation and those innovators up to what we have to acknowledge are the more sophisticated capital markets and research uh, capabilities that do exist in metropolitan centres, but by reverse to also attract some of those investors and people that support innovation back out to the opportunities of the region as well. Plenty of good innovators and good ideas and entrepreneurs have always been in the regions. 
Ratings and reviews help to keep us going and they help more people discover our stories. You can rate the show on most podcast platforms by going to ratedayone.com. That's ratedayone.com to leave a rating on the podcast. And thank you for giving this episode of Welcome to Day One your attention. This episode was created by me, Adam Spencer. Interviews conducted by me, Adam Spencer. A big thank you to Daniel and Alicia Edge for taking the time to be involved. Thanks also goes to the University of Newcastle's Integrated Innovation Network for partnering with Welcome Today One to bring you this story. This script was written by me, Adam Spencer. Music by Lee Rosevere. Full attribution is on our website at welcometodayone.com. This episode was produced by me, Adam Spencer, and edited by Natalie Holland. Thank you, and see you next time.